This sermon is part one of a three-sermon series entitled Encountering Jesus. We'll walk alongside other novice disciples through the early chapters of the Gospels of John and Mark and pay attention to what happens as Jesus comes to meet us. This is how the Christian life begins. Jesus comes to meet us. Jesus reaches us first. We do not go to Jesus. We cannot imagine Jesus until Jesus finds us. In the same way that the scriptures call us to remember that we love because he first loved us. So we also say, I've encountered Jesus because Jesus first encountered me. In these three sermons, we'll encounter a Jesus who is disarming, Jesus who is compelling, and finally, Jesus who is astonishing. So let's meet the disarming Jesus first. Jesus has already found Philip. No details given other than he calls Philip to follow me. But then Philip is so persuaded by Jesus and so excited, just itching to tell someone what has just happened to him, who he has found, that he goes looking for his friend Nathaniel. And when Philip finds Nathaniel, Nathaniel is armed, not with swords, but with some kind of preconception. Because Philip tells him, We finally found him. Who? The one about uh, whom Moses foretold and the prophets foretold. We found him. He's here in Galilee. He just invited me to come follow him. Who? Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You see, Nathaniel is, is armed. Nathaniel is armed perhaps with at least one preconception, if not an outright prejudice, about who the Messiah would be, where Messiah would be from. On the one hand, we might receive Nathaniel's remark about Nazareth as a, a prejudiced remark. What good can come out of Nazareth? They got like one stoplight. Being from a, a small town myself, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder for comments like these. I grew up in the shadow of, of Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. What good can come out of Henderson? I mean, how many athletes that I compete against that ask that question, sometimes out loud, in front of me and my teammates? What good can come out of Henderson? Maybe if you're from a small town. Maybe you, you grew up in Old Fort or, or Inca or Swannanoa or Candler. Or maybe you're even from Tennessee. What good can come? It's just not a nice thing to say. Maybe that's Nathaniel. Maybe he just has this kind of prejudice. Maybe he's from the big city. He's armed, though, in any case. We can speculate, on one hand, that Nathaniel may have been something of a snob. Nazareth? Pulling my leg, Philip. Messiah doesn't come from Nazareth. On the other hand, what if Nathaniel is armed, not with crude prejudice, what if Nathaniel is armed with, with real intelligence about his nation's prophetic history? 
Philip has said he's just met one of the prophets, the one of whom the prophets foretold. But book smart Nathaniel knows better. He knows that the one of whom prophets foretold does not come from Nazareth, but from Bethlehem. See, Nathaniel is armed with his own intelligence, his own knowledge, uh, his own memories of vacation Bible school. You have to do a real foxtrot with Hebrew root words to foretell a messianic birth from Nazareth. But Nathaniel still remembers Micah's prophecy. You, O Bethlehem, you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me the one who is to rule Israel. We can surmise that Nathaniel is thoughtful and conscientious. Maybe he isn't that prejudiced guy. Maybe he's just armed with smarts. Book smart Nathaniel. We can surmise these things. We can make an educated guess that Nathaniel has been waiting just as intensely as anyone else in Israel for the one who was to come. But whoever heard of Messiah coming from Nazareth, he's supposed to come from Bethlehem. Nathaniel is armed with preconceptions about who God is and how God will appear in his life. If you identify with Nathaniel, if you consider yourself a bit of a cynic, or if you fancy yourself as one of those world-weary types with an education and, and lots of life experience, and you've seen it all before and there are no more surprises, or if you know someone like that in your family or your circle of friends, then pay attention to what Philip says to Nathaniel. Philip doesn't argue with or coax or cajole or nag Nathaniel. No. He simply says, all right then, come and see. One of my favorite lines in all of Scripture. One of the very best things you could ever possibly say to a doubter. Okay, Nathaniel, suit yourself. I know you know what you know. I know it's him in my heart. You come and see for yourself. Come and see. Several years ago, a precocious Duke undergraduate wrote a letter to the editor of the school newspaper, the Duke Chronicle almost as good a newspaper as the Daily Tar Heel, arguing that theology and therefore Duke Divinity School had no place as an academic discipline in an elite institution like Duke University. A group of divinity students, quick to the punch, argued quite persuasively in a counter letter that this undergraduate sophomore's prejudices were misguided, and they pulled out all the good stuff. Uh, philosophers and theologians and Nietzsche to argue their case. And while theirs was a smart response, it wasn't what you'd call disarming. No, but then one of the professors from the Divinity School also responded. He respectfully disagreed with this sophomore's argument. Then, in front of God and everybody, he invited the student to come and take one of his courses. 
to experience for himself the intellectual rigor of theology as an academic discipline and decide for himself what value he thought such subject matter might add to a world-class university. The student agreed. What good can come out of studying theology? Come and see. When Nathaniel goes to find Jesus, he's still armed. But he's no match for Jesus' disarming welcome. Here's truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, Jesus says. Jesus had to have had a big smile on his face when he said, Here he comes. Here comes a straight shooter. Here comes an Israelite now in whom there's no deceit. This is one way Jesus honors Nathanael's personality and intelligence. But even more, it's Jesus' way of recognizing Nathanael's desire to meet God. To describe Nathanael as someone without deceit, while also describing him as an Israelite, as Jesus just has, is to compare Nathanael to his ancestor Jacob in what must have been a playful and charming tone. Jesus honors Nathanael's lifetime of wrestling with God, struggling with God, arguing with God, searching for God, dreaming about God, to the point that he has changed from perhaps the conniving trickster of his youth to a true friend of God. Nathanael feels seen, as they say. It feels good to feel seen. Nathaniel recognizes that Jesus really sees him, the real him. He even asks Jesus, where did you get to know me? And Jesus responds that he'd been observing him sitting under the fig tree. Now this also involves a bit of speculation, but teachers often sat and taught underneath fig trees in in those days. Perhaps Jesus had been listening in on Nathaniel teaching others about God. In any case, Nathaniel lets down his defenses, which is a really scary thing to do. The worldly wise teacher has just been had by Jesus, just been seen by Jesus. Now Nathaniel's response is the only appropriate one you can have in such circumstances. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel confession. Nathaniel has been disarmed, whether of his prejudice or his preconceived notions or his defense-like intelligence. Now he will no longer see earth and heaven meeting only in his dreams, but in real life, every day, just as Jesus tells him, You stick with me, you're going to see way more cool stuff than this. Not an exact quote. Nathaniel might have gone home that evening and read the psalmist who says, Oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. You know all my ways. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I remember a conversation that 
that I had once with one of my very best friends. We'll call him Nate. Nate and I grew up together. Best friends since childhood will always be close, no matter what happens. One of those friends, you know a friend like that, maybe more than one. Well, this was while I was a precocious student in coursework at Divinity School. I had known Nate not to be much of a churchgoer anymore, and somehow, some way or another, we got involved in a conversation that became more than a conversation and more of a, well, argument might be putting it a little bit harshly, but we were jousting like fencers on guard. Our defenses were up and our shoulders. And we were tossing our arguments about God back and forth, why I had faith, why he was resistant to it, why he was not going to be a follower And I kept trying to argue with him and convince him, and I pulled out Alice Dare McIntyre and Carl Bart and Stanley Hauerwas and Nietzsche. To no avail, we talked into the night. We began this conversation at 10.30, and we ended at 2 a.m. It was an epic night for our friendship. And at the end of the conversation, we were both frustrated. And we both felt like we had gotten nowhere with each other. And we ended the conversation with a long embrace. No hard feelings. But I wish I could go back in time And instead of being that argumentative friend who was trying to prove everything and solve the problem and argue my case, I wish I had stepped into Philip's shoes, taken off my fencing uniform and lay down my sword and take off my puncture-proof helmet, step into Philip's shoes and said simply to Nate, I don't know. I don't know what you know. But I I know what I know, and I just want to tell you, I just want to offer this invitation to you to come and see. Just come and see. And that way we could have had a few more hours to talk about more fun things than arguing. We have a real opportunity in our congregation, in our life together, to recognize the Nathaniels in our midst, and and maybe you're Nathaniel, but to recognize the Nathaniels in our midst and to step into Philip's shoes and to be that disarming presence for others, for others who long to meet God and have never met a God they liked yet. But they wrestle with these ideas. They wrestle with the possibility of faith. They dream about meeting a God who sees them, truly sees them. And I really, truly believe that our congregation has a unique gift and a unique personality, a capacity to step into Philip's shoes and simply say, I don't know what you know. Nathaniel.
But why don't you come and see? Just come and see. Come and sing with us. Come and listen with us. Come and sit beside us. Come laugh and weep with us. Come carry food with us. Come sit at the table with us. Come and watch and behold signs and wonders with us. And eventually, I trust that you, like me, will find that you've been had by a disarming Messiah. And you, like me, will say when it happens, finally, thanks be to God.